Praise God. Would you turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 12? And I'm going to read just two verses. Exodus chapter 12. And um, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Exodus 12, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Obviously, an appropriate scripture for this service this morning. I've got a reason for reading this verse. God spoke to Moses and Aaron. And said, today is day one of a brand new year. This is the first month of another year. It's the beginning of something new. Things are going to change. I would point out to you from verse 1, the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. They were still in bondage. Things were still bad. There was no change up until now, except that things had gotten continually worse. In fact, I didn't give this to our sound man, and I've already had to apologize to him. I, I, um, I, gave, I gave Brother Johnson the list of scriptures and then had to come back and add some, and here I am adding more. Who knows what's going to happen before the day's out, but... but We've read the first two verses of chapter 12. If you go back and look at the last verse of chapter 11, what you'll see, the very last thing that's said in chapter 11 is that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Things just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And the more... That God, oh I feel this this morning. The more that God showed himself strong to the Israelites, the more the enemy fought them. And the more Pharaoh hated them. And the more Pharaoh turned against God. And so at the pinnacle of Pharaoh's hatred 
and anger, not just toward Moses and Aaron, but toward their God at the pinnacle of his anger. God spoke to Moses and Aaron in that situation and said, we're starting something new right now. I know it doesn't look like it. I know it doesn't feel like it. But there's a change in the calendar. And whether Pharaoh wants to recognize it or not, it's going to happen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to talk to you this morning. You know, this is, this is the new year. This is the first Sunday of this year. And it's kind of an American custom and maybe even beyond America. I don't know. It's kind of a custom, uh, at least in our country, that on New Year's, people start their diets and they start their fitness programs and they start whatever. And uh, they, they call it a New Year's resolution. Well, I want to talk about going beyond a resolution today. I want to I preach to you about a New Year's revolution. Well, praise God, a New Year's revolution. Amen. Let's, let's put our Bibles down, lift our hands, lift our voices, and let's talk to the Lord together right now, Jesus. I love you. I praise you, Master. God, I thank you. I love you, Jesus. God, we need you today. God, we've got to have your help today. Oh, Lord Jesus. We ask for the anointing and unction of the Holy Ghost, God, to be in this place. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would anoint my lips, that I could speak. God, touch my heart, my mind, my spirit today. Let me be sensitive to you. That God, anoint this people as well. Those that are here and those that are listening online, let them feel, O oh God, Lord, this message today, anoint their hearts to receive it, God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Would you worship the Lord with me right now, everybody? Let's worship God together. Let's worship God together right now. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Master. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Now, again, I said this Thursday night, I say it again, but uh, to, those, to those that are here, because there is so much sickness, so much absence this morning, I'm asking you to do double time in your amens. And if you're listening online today and want to text in an amen, that would help as well. I just need to know 
that I'm getting this message across this morning. I feel it. I feel it. My voice won't let me say it with the emphasis and the strength uh, that I feel it, but I promise you I feel it this morning. You know, it's an interesting thing as as we talk about a new year. It's interesting uh, for us to consider the fact that God really doesn't operate within the confines of man's time frame. God is a timeless God. He's a timeless God. Second Peter chapter three verse eight says this. But beloved, be not ignorant of be this one thing. Be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. Yes. And a thousand years as one day. Now, now Peter's not giving an equivalent. Peter's not saying one day equals 1,000 years. What he's saying is, as far as God's concerned, there's no difference between a day and a 1,000 years. There is just no difference where God is. Because Isaiah said this about God, Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. He inhabiteth eternity. Amen. Now, listen, this word inhabit, you understand what that means. You understand uh, what that entails. That, that means he lives there. God lives in eternity. Amen. With God, the past, the present, the future, it's all the same. God doesn't have a time clock. Amen. That he's watching in heaven. God doesn't have a calendar on his wall. Well, praise God, praise God, praise God. I, and, and, and I don't want to, I sure don't want to upset anybody, uh, but you know, I, I do, I, I am a bit, I guess, amused. Sometimes I see folks uh, posting or making comments uh, to the deceased, happy birthday in heaven or Merry Christmas in heaven or whatever. I, and, and if some of you did it, I didn't see that, so I'm not talking to anybody here. I've just seen it happen before. But you got to understand that when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a birthday. There's not going to be a Christmas day. There's not, none of that. There's no time when we get up there. Amen. 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 It, it, everything is timeless. Time, the Bible says, will be no more. Amen. Time is not something that God required. Amen. God did not need time, but God created time for our sakes. God doesn't function within the confines of time the way that we mere mortals do. And that's why God can make a prophecy and say shortly this will happen or soon this will come to pass. And, and then we wait and we wait and we wait and we say, oh God, how long? But we've got to understand that God is not operating on the same time scale that we operate on. Amen. He doesn't work that way. And yet, in spite of that fact, it is very clear in our text that God gave a commandment to the Jewish people that they were to establish a time-based practice. Read it for me again, Brother Goff, if you would. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying... This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. 
It shall be the first month of the year to you. And so they were commanded to mark one month out of the year as the beginning of a new year. Amen. Now God, again, he did it not for his sake, but for the sake of mankind. Amen. God established a time-based practice. He commanded them to mark one month out of the year as the beginning of a new year. Now the reason that he did this I believe is revealed to us as we continue on through Exodus chapter 12 as we continue to read we soon discover that this declaration was made to be certain that the people would have an annual commemoration of their freedom from Egyptian bondage. Amen. You see, it was this first of the year that Passover was observed. We talked about Passover Thursday night. And this is when it would happen. Passover would be the start of a new year for the Jews. It was something that was going to help them. On that night, uh, amen, their lives uh, would be transformed. On that night, they would be taken from being slaves uh, to being warriors. They would go from being the conquered to being the conquerors. That night and beyond they would go from living on the defensive to living on the offensive. They were no longer just trying to save themselves. They were now getting ready to conquer new territories. Something different was going to take place at the beginning of this year. It was going to be the start Amen. That's why, amen, they applied the blood as a symbol. Amen. And every year they would offer that sacrificial lamb. Your old sins are going to be forgotten. We're giving you a new opportunity. We're giving you a new chance, amen, to start something new. It should be obvious to us that God wanted a new year, a new day, so that in the minds of the people, The old lives would be a thing of the past and something new would begin within them. Amen. And the fact that it was not just to be that year when they left Egypt, but every year, amen, implies to me that God didn't just want the first Passover to mark a new beginning, but he intended for every year to carry the very same significance. I'm telling you, I believe God wanted something to happen in the minds of the Jewish people where they said yesterday is gone. Today is a brand new day. I've got a brand new opportunity to begin a brand new chapter of my life to set a new tone a new direction beginning today I will not be who I was in the past it's a new year and this is going to be a brand new me well hallelujah praise God amen God wanted them to have a reference point God wanted them to have a mark in time that they would know this changes everything for us. Well, praise God. We've been slaves. We've been down here in Egypt these 400 years. That's a long time. But I'm going to tell you, starting with the new year, starting with the new year, we're leaving Egypt behind. (laughs) 
In fact, when we get across that Red Sea, amen, Pharaoh and his armies are going to drown. We're never going to see them again. The thing that's bothered us now for centuries is going to be gone. It's going to be wiped out. It's never going to be a problem for us again. It really is a brand new day. Praise God. I want you to keep that in mind, and I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But I want to take you to a familiar story. I want to take you to the story of David and Goliath. And I want to show you something here, amen, that caught my attention. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I don't have to lay a lot of foundation or groundwork. You know this story. We all know this story. But, but let me just show you something here. Amen. When David gets down there to the battle, his oldest brother is angry with him and rails on him. First Samuel 17 and verse 28 read. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, why camest thou Why'd down Why did you hither? come down here? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Yeah. I know thy pride know and pride. the naughtiness of thine heart. The naughtiness of your heart. Thou art come down. Now listen, thou here's mightest, what he said. You came down that, thou mightest that you might see the battle. See the battle. That's why you're here. You just came down here to look. You came down to be a spectator. You want to just sit there and watch everybody else. Now, I'm going to tell you what bothered. I, I believe what was bothering David's brother is the fact that David, he's saying David came down to see him fight and they weren't fighting. They weren't fighting. And I think that I think his brother was embarrassed, was ashamed, and he didn't like the fact that his little brother saw him in this condition. So rather than him just admit that he was a coward, he wanted to make David look bad. I know your pride. I know the naughtiness of your heart. I know why you're here. You just came down here to see this fight. Now, it's interesting that David did not deny that he was interested in watching the fight. He didn't deny that. Um, in fact, let me show you something. 1 Samuel 17, verses 17 to 18. I, I want to show you something. Now, you know that you know that his dad sent him there. But I don't know if you really know. Uh, is it not in your notes? I'm sorry. I, I, I thought I put it in there. Um, I stuck it in Brother Johnson's notes, and I guess I forgot to add it to yours, so I'm sorry. Uh, this, is, this is 1 Samuel 17, verses 17 and 18. We know that David's dad sent him there, but let me show you what he said when he sent him. 1 Samuel 17, verses 17 and 18. Read and Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren. Yeah, now we know that part. That, that, that much we know. But, but Jesse's not finished talking. Read on. 
and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. Uh huh. And look how and, they brethren. Wait a minute. And what? And look. And and, and look how and the look, brethren fare. And look how they fare, and take their pledge. I'm telling you, David's dad sent him there to look. He sent him there to look. That's what the Bible says. And so David didn't deny that. David did not, when, when, when his brother said, I know your pride, I know the naughtiness of your heart, you're come down to see the battle. That's verse 28. David does not deny it. Verse 29, what does he say? And David said, what have I now done? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause. Now, I submit to you, no doubt, he had come partly because of his curiosity. But I also submit to you that once he got there, he saw and heard something that he knew he could not leave unattended. Amen. He may have gone there just to check things out, but when he got there, something got a hold of his heart. And he said, we can't let this go on the way it is. Something's got to happen. Something's got to transpire. You men might be satisfied listening to this guy every day rattling off his nonsense. You may be happy coming out here every day and listening to that devil saying everything he's saying against the armies of God. But something has smitten my heart and I can't just stand here and listen to this. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, what had brought him? Now, that's, that's all the way down to verse 29. We, 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 but, but let's skip back to verse 23 and see what it was that stirred David up so much. Amen. 1 Samuel 17, 23. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. He spake the same and words. David heard them. Now, he said the same thing he'd been saying every day, same thing David's brothers had heard him say every day. What were those words back up again, verses 8 through 10? And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you Why come, are you out, come to out to set your battle in array? What? You understand what he's saying? Yeah, you got your armies here, but for what good? You're not doing anything but standing around. You know, you, you got you got all your you, you got all your 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 men out here with their with their swords and and their spears and and their bows and arrows. And, but all you've done so far is just stand here and scratch your head. You hadn't done anything. Why are you set here saying that you've come out uh, to set your battle in array? Read. Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. Yeah. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But, I were, I, but if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants. Now he said this every day. Every day. He was mocking them, you understand. Right. He's mocking them. Yeah, what a great army you are. What a great army you are. I am a Philistine, singular. And you are the armies, plural, of Saul. And yet, you're just sitting here doing nothing. Choose a man and let him come out here and fight me. And if you win, we'll serve you. And if we win, you'll serve us. And he didn't stop there. Verse 10. 
And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man man. that we may fight together. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, can I tell you, I think this is one time that, that the devil and God were on the same page. Because the devil's saying, give me a man to fight. And I think there was a voice that was ringing from the heavenlies that was crying out to Israel, give me a man to fight. We got a lot of guys out there that say they're soldiers, but none of them willing to fight. Give me a man to fight. Can I submit to you? I, 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 this, is, this is just conjecture, but I don't doubt. But what God moved on the heart of Jesse and said, why don't you send that boy down there just to check things out? Because if he gets down there and he sees what's going on and he hears the threat of the enemy, he's not going to be like the others. I'm waiting on a man. He may not be a man in age, but he's a man in heart and spirit and attitude. You send David down there and let him look and I'm going to get a hold of his heart and things are going to be different. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. David. David's brothers heard it every day and they just retreated further. Saul and all of his mighty men heard it every day and they just retreated further. But David heard it one time. And he said, is there not a cause? What are we doing? How long are we going to let? He didn't call him a giant. He said, how long are we going to let this uncircumcised Philistine? You, You understand what he's saying. He's saying, we've got a covenant with God. He doesn't. He's an uncircumcised, the token of the covenant. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. He doesn't have a covenant with God. We do. And if God be for us, who can be against us? I don't care how big Goliath is. I don't care how strong Goliath is. You got to understand who's fighting for the armies of Israel. David didn't come in the name of David. He said, you've come, Goliath, with your sword and your spear. But I've come to you in the name of the Lord. I've got a covenant. I've got a promise from God. He's going to fight for us. He's going to fight with us. You want somebody to fight? You got it, oh boy. Amen. Today, things change in Israel. Well, hallelujah. I, you know, if David, if David had been, if David had been a hillbilly from the Ozarks, with my apologies to Sister Reba, if if David had been a hillbilly from the Ozarks, you know what he would have said? He would have said, "Them's fighting words." Them's fighting words. You're not going to say that in my hearing. I'm going to tell you, these other guys might just stand around. Oh, I feel this. These other guys might stand around and not do anything about it. Just go further and further back. But look, you've come across somebody that I, I don't back down. 
Saul said, who are you? What do you know? He's a fighting man from his youth and you're nothing but a youth. David said, this much I know. When a lion came out, God protected me. When a bear came out, God protected me. I'm not worried about this uncircumcised Philistine. You just let me at him. I'm going to change the course of history for Israel. Today, this nonsense ends. That's a Riggin revised version. But that's what he said. Today, this is a new day. This is a new day. You've had your days of bragging and carrying on and scaring everybody. But you got a hold of somebody now that ain't scared. I'm not afraid of you, Goliath. I'm not worried about you, Goliath. I don't care about you, Goliath. I care about God, and you're defying my God and his armies. And that has crossed a line, and today it changes. Now, let me just throw this in. Let me just throw this in free of charge here. But I, I said earlier, I... I think it's very possible that uh, if it wasn't already in the heart of Jesse when he sent David down there to look, that maybe God put it in Jesse's heart. Because I will submit to you that there are times that God lets us look at things with the hope that it'll stir something up in us and cause us to want to go further. Well, look, I, I'm not trying to be coy. I'm not trying to beat around the bush. Uh, and I didn't intend that pun. You'll see why I say that in a minute. But, but, but listen, I want to tell you something. There's a reason why we've been feeling what we've been feeling. There's a reason why we had the service we had Thursday night. There's a reason why the Spirit of the Lord is here in a special way this morning. I want to tell you, God, amen, is letting us look today. God's letting us see. You want to know why we felt what we felt just a few months ago? God was wanting to know, is there anybody that if I let them see, a little bit of this glory it's going to stir something up is there anybody that if I give them a little insight into the battle that's going on they're going to be like David and say this is it I'm drawing a line you've come too far you've said too much devil today everything changes God did it God did it with Moses let me show you. Amen. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Praise God. Exodus 3, verses 1 through 4. Did I not? That's the other one I threw in there. I thought I, you know what I did? I probably printed out the new scriptures and threw them away and kept the old ones. I'm sorry. But anyhow, at least you're not having to preach this message, right? You just read a few scriptures. All right. Exodus 3, verses 1 through 4. Read now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priest of Midian, and he held and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of now, a bush. Now, now I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst 
of a bush. All right? And he looked and behold. And, and wait a minute. And he looked. He looked. And behold. The bush burned with fire. The bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. And, and look, he's not just making a glance. He's watching this long enough that he recognizes. I don't care how hot this fire is, the bush is not changing. So he's been watching it for a little while to know that the bush is not being consumed. All right, read. And Moses said, and I Moses will now said, turn aside. I, I'm going to turn aside. And see this great and, sight. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate this a little further. I, I'm interested. Right. I've seen it. I've seen it. I looked at it. But I'm not just going to walk on and forget about it. I want to get a little closer to this. I want to find out a little bit more about it. I want to investigate this a little deeper. Hallelujah. And so what happened in verse 4? And when the Lord saw, and when the that, Lord saw to see, that Moses turned aside to see. God called to That's him. when God called to him out of the midst, out of, the the midst of the bush and said, Moses, and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, and he said here, here am I. I. I'm telling you, God did not speak out of that bush until God saw enough interest out of Moses that he said, I am going to forget my schedule for a little while. I'm going to forget what I've got going on. I'm going to lay aside everything I thought was important at this moment. There's something here that's got my interest and I want to know more about it. I want to learn more. I want to find out more. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to give this my undivided attention. And when God saw, amen, that Moses was hungry enough to investigate it further, that's when God started speaking to Moses. And that's when God said, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. I'm going to send you to do a job for me, Moses. But I was waiting. I was waiting to see, are you going to be hungry enough? Are you going to be interested enough that you're going to pursue this? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we went through, we've gone through these moments where the glory of God has filled this house. We've felt a special touch, amen, as God has walked the aisles of this building, amen. And then, and then it seemed we hit a little dry spot. I'm going to tell you, I really believe I've got some insight here this morning. I think God was wanting to see how many of you are interested enough that you're saying, wait just a minute, wait just a minute. I want to go back and check on that bush that was burning. I want to go back and find out about that fire that we felt back there. I can't be content just keeping the sheep on the backside of the desert anymore. I got to know about this bush. I got to know about this fire. And at that moment, it was a new day for Moses. Things changed. Moses was never the same. 
You understand this was the culmination of 40 years of being a shepherd. He had spent 40 years in Pharaoh's palace being a somebody. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was somebody. And then he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert being a nobody. And I'm going to tell you, after you've been somebody, and then you got to go through a period of being nobody, it's very easy to just give up on life altogether. Well, I'm still preaching this morning. It's very easy when you're walking through that dry spot to just forget about everything and say there's no hope for me in my life. I'll never amount to anything. Well, hallelujah. But because of an encounter at a burning bush, God said, I'm not interested in your 40 years of being a somebody. And I'm not interested in your 40 years of being a nobody. I want to show you for the next 40 years what I can do with somebody that's a nobody. Well, hallelujah. I want to show you how I can take you from this moment, Moses, and everything is going to be different in your life. Oh, I'm preaching today. I'm preach- I feel this so strong in my spirit. I'm going to tell you, saints of God, I believe the time has come that we need to make a decision. We have been given a brand new year. We've been given a brand new start. And somebody needs to draw a line in the sand and say, we're not going any farther. Devil, you pushed us far enough. You fought us long enough. We've gone through enough defeat. But starting today, we're changing everything. Starting today, we're going to pursue the things of God until God shows us what he can do with a nobody. Hallelujah. Until God shows us the glory that he wants to reveal to us. It's time. To quit sitting around and licking our wounds. If there's ever been a time for us to go on the offensive, amen, it's now. I think some of us ought to get that hillbilly spirit and say, devil, them's fighting words. Hallelujah. Amen. Today, today, it's over. Today, it's done. Today, everything I've struggled with before, everything you've used against me before, every past memory you've haunted me with before, every past failure you've drug up to me before, I'm telling you, devil, today is a new day. This is a new year, and something's changing in the spirit for me today. Well, hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking about making a resolution. Because we all know how New Year's resolutions end. Sad fact is, many of those resolutions don't even make it through the end of the first month. Some don't make it through the end of the first week. Some don't make it through the end of the first day. 
let's just be honest. We don't need a resolution. We need something more than that. Amen. It's got to take more than that to really bring about any lasting change. Well, praise God. Sometimes the only way to bring about a change is through more than just a resolution. It takes a revolution. Amen. The word revolution is defined as the overthrow and replacement of a government or political system by those who are governed. You know, I was thinking about the very country that we're in and how in the 1600s, pilgrims came to this country expressly to get away from King James. They wanted out from under his tyranny and they came here to start something new. But it didn't take long for England to follow the pilgrims and assert their authority. It didn't take long for England to to decide to colonize this new land and put all these people who had left back under the tyranny from which they had fled. And you know, they let them get by with it for a while. They weren't happy. Things rocked on. They became the stepchild of Great Britain. And it was obvious. It was obvious that that the king didn't like the colonists and he took advantage of the colonists. He started taxing the colonists and it finally got to the point that he was taxing them so much and he was not providing them with any representation so they're paying the king to rule over them but they don't have a voice in what's happening. And I'm just going to tell you there came a moment among those colonists that they said enough is enough we've talked about this long enough we've sat around in our homes we've gone to our neighbors we've complained we've griped we've cried we've tolerated it we've fussed about it we've argued over it but something's got to be done And they started throwing tea into the Boston Harbor. And that was the beginning. But it went way beyond that until they finally reached a point where they got together and said as of this moment, the time comes, they said, amen, when you've just got to break away from a tyrannical government and start something of your own. It was more than just a resolution. I'm going to tell you the declaration of independence wasn't just a resolution that the colonists passed. 
past but it began a revolution that said we're not putting up with this anymore and whatever we gotta do we're gonna fight against the tyranny we are going to break free we're going to have a free country ragtag bunch I'm telling you they don't teach much of this in, in history classes anymore in school and that's sad but they really don't I'm telling you what you go back and read about that about those fights that took place and you read about George Washington and his soldiers literally going barefoot in the snow while colonists who said they wanted freedom were housing the British soldiers. And, and the colonial army sleeping out in the snow barefoot and in rags. And their own friends, their own friends putting up the British army in their homes and feeding them, keeping them warm. You, you go back and read about what happened to the men who signed that declaration of independence. And they said, we pledge our fortunes, our sacred honor. We'll give our lives. That's what it means when you start a revolution. It means there's no price that's too high to pay to get what we have to have. We have been pushed around for too long. We've been abused for too long. We've put up with tyranny for too long. And now I don't care if I've got to give my life. I would rather die a free man than live a slave. I care not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. I'm telling you, that's what's got to happen in the heart of the church. We've watched the devil push us around. We've watched the devil destroy new converts. We've watched the devil bring sickness and infirmity. We've watched the devil bring confusion. Somebody has got to get it in their heart and say, that's it, devil. We're tired of it. No more resolutions. You've started a revolution, and we're going to give it our all. We're going to put everything we've got into it until we... We are free. Oh, let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give me just a few more moments, just a few more moments. Amen. It's time for battle. It's time for battle. Amen, Paul. And I, I've taught a lot about it in weeks gone by, and I'm not going to go back and redo all of that. But let me just remind you of a few things. Amen. Paul gave us many instructions concerning spiritual warfare. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This charge I commit unto thee, son this Timothy. This charge, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. 
according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou that thou by them by mightest them a war, war a good warfare. A good warfare. Timothy, you've had a lot of prophecies. There's been a lot of promises that God's made. Now you hang on to those promises, son, and you start fighting for them. Quit sitting around saying, I wish they'd come. Quit sitting around talking about all the bad things that are still happening. Get your eyes on that enemy and go after him. Fight the fight, son. Holding faith in a good conscience. Yes. Which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Yes. First Timothy chapter 6 verses 11 and 12. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession. Yes. Before many witnesses. Yes. Ephesians 6, verses 12 to 18. I'm just trying to go through these quickly. Amen. Read. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to God. withstand in the evil days. Yes. Having done all to stand. Uh-huh. Stand therefore. Stand therefore. Having your loins girt loins about with the girt, truth, and having truth, the breastplate of breastplate righteousness. Of righteousness. And your feet your shod feet with the preparation, with the preparation of, the of, of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the, take shield, the of shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be so able you to quench, quench all the fiery, the fiery darts, of the darts of the wicked. Take the helmet take the of salvation. Helmet of salvation. The sword of the, the spirit. Sword of which the is the spirit. word of God. Yes. Praying always Praying with all always prayer and supplication with all in the prayer spirit. And supplication and watching in the spirit. too with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Yeah, get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. Amen. Run into the camp and tell everybody, get ready. It's time to get, amen, your battle gear on. It's time to put your armor on. We're not playing games anymore. We gotta fight until we win. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. John told us who our enemies are. Amen. First John 2, verses 15 to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Uh-huh. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. Yeah. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Yeah, so we know who our enemies are. Amen. The lust of the, uh, of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Amen. The world and this present system, those things are our enemy. We got to stop making resolutions and start a revolution. It's time to declare war on the devil, on the world, on the flesh. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Several weeks ago, I talked to the church about various levels of demonic influence. I'm not going to go through all those scriptures again, but I pointed out that the scriptures indicate there's a kind of hierarchy among demonic spirits. On six different occasions, the New Testament makes reference to principalities and powers, and both of those Greek words seem to indicate a rank or a position. 
Amen. One man said principalities refers to principal rulers or chieftains. And another said the word powers, or the same man said the word powers refers to those spirits that are given some authority. They're not chief among the spirits, but they do have some authority. And then Ephesians 6 and 12 goes on to talk about the rulers of the darkness of this world. Amen. Which a commentator refers to as demonic rulers that preside over various regions of the world. Amen. Amen. And, and then he talked about spiritual wickedness in high places which can also be translated as wicked spirits in the heavenlies. The book of Colossians refers to thrones and dominions amen we understand the word thrones dominion simply means governments or lordships we talked about how Daniel was told that there was a prince of Persia Ezekiel spoke of the king of Tyrus and the book of Revelation specifically mentions where Satan's seat or the Greek word is throne where Satan's throne is I said all that amen to say I'm convinced, amen, that there is a hierarchy of demonic spirits and some spirits are granted certain authority over cities, provinces, or regions. I submit to you again today, I do believe there is a spirit that reigns over Olathe. I believe there are spirits reigning over other cities throughout this metropolitan area. But I am here to declare today on this first Sunday of 2021, it's time that we overthrow the spiritual governance that's held our church and our city captive for so long it's time to throw off the chains of tyranny and declare a revolution today things are going to be different as of this day it's a new year it's a new time it's a new moment and we are going to be a new church Come, come to the music. David set an example. Paul and John gave us instruction. We've got a comfortable number of biblical counselors. And with that in mind, I call your attention to one final passage of Scripture Proverbs 24. Verses 1 through 6. Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. For their heart studieth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. Yes. Through wisdom is a house builded. Through wisdom is a house builded. And by understanding it is by established. By understanding it's established. And by knowledge by shall knowledge the chambers be filled shall the chambers with be all filled precious and pleasant precious riches. And pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Wise man strong. Yea, a man of knowledge man of increases knowledge strength. Increases strength. For by wise, for by counsel, wise counsel thou shalt make thou thy war. Thou shalt make thy war. And in multitude, and in of, the multitude of counselors there is safety. There is safety. Amen. Another translation says, after all, with the right strategy, you can wage war. And with many advisors, there is 
victory. Hallelujah. I believe we've been given the strategy. I believe we've got the right advisors. Hallelujah. It's time for the truth church to make a New Year's revolution today. Things are going to change as of this day. We are going to war on our knees. We are going to war through fasting and prayer. I want the spirit of this city to know that as of today, your seat is being overthrown. We declare our independence from you today. And we are going forward to possess what God has promised unto us. Ah, let's talk to God together. Be bold, be strong. I told you the other night, we're just going to make that our theme song. We don't have to sing it every service, but we're going to make it our theme song this year. I'm telling you, we are, we are going, we are entering into a year of victory. We are going to pull down the strongholds of hell. We're going to pull down the strongholds of hell. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Is there not a cause? Oh, these altars are open today. Is there anybody that's ready to join forces? Anybody that's ready to go to war? We're not playing games. Amen. This is not fun and games. We're fighting but we're fighting to win. We're going to overthrow the tyranny of the devil. We're going to overthrow, amen, the spirit of this city. We are going to see victory. We're going to see souls saved. We're going to see families delivered. We're going to see lives changed. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on, commit yourself.